if someone say, hey, describe your work in one word, I wouldn't say sustainability because as I said, everything there is like who I am in my daily life, like what I do. That it became sustainable or it is, uh, I'm grateful for that. But it's not what I thought of. I just wanted to do what I love. This is what we do. A show about how we, you and me, can have a positive impact on the world, live with integrity, and embrace the complex questions of our time without losing neither ourselves, our minds, nor our hope in the process. My name is Lucy Kamara, and I'm your host. Let's begin. And thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited and honored that you found the time and the interest to tune into this podcast. My name is Lucy Kamara. I'm the creator, the producer, the uh, one woman show behind this podcast. Today, I am introducing you to a wonderful guest. His name is Washu Shehu. He is my first guest and he was the first person I interviewed for this podcast because I was so inspired when I met Washu the first time. Washu is a fashion designer originally from Nigeria and he arrived in Sweden as a refugee. After spending a few years here as a teenager trying to figure out life, he found himself on the path to creating his own brand and to open a first store in a small town called Esleholm in the south of Sweden and then a second store in Malmö. That's where I met him the first time. I'd heard about his store, Studio 234 Plus, because Malmö is quite a vibrant city for all things DIY, secondhand, and Washu's store was talked about around town as a new secondhand heaven. So I went there one day and realized not only was it a secondhand store, he was also the flagship of his brand, but he also offered repairing and dry cleaning, which made me think of it as a one-stop shop for the end of fast fashion. I got interested straight away in what led him here, because in our first short encounter, I really got the sense that he, first of all, he loved what he was doing, and then he he had no intention of surfing on some cool sustainability, sustainable fashion wave. He was doing his own thing and everything everything came from his childhood, his story, his passion, and it just happened to be the most sustainable business one could imagine. So I, I just had a hunch that having him sit down in front of a microphone and asking him a couple of questions could be interested for these ideas that I had. But I had no idea how much I would be touched by his story, his dedication and his humility. Without further ado, this is my conversation with Washu Shehu. Thank you so much for listening. So 
So I know、um, that your mother and your grandmother were a big presence in your life growing up.、Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? What your childhood looked like, where you grew up,、uh, and when you left、uh, in as many details as you're comfortable? You know, we lived in a, in a compound, right? That looks like a square. And in that square, all of you can see what everybody's up to, what everybody's doing. So, living in a compound like that, where everybody sees everybody, automatically the next neighbor is like your second parent. And my mom also is like a second parent to the next neighbor's child. So, some of the things I did while I was a child, like, hey, what's it? Don't go to the. Don't go to the river and swim. And then I ended up going to the river to swim. Or once you don't go, don't go to that forest and pick some mangoes. And then I ended up going to that forest to pick some mangoes. I think now, reflecting back, all of those, because I, I mean, there was nothing wrong with me going to the forest and picking a mango. It's not a crime, you know what I mean? So, all of those things now h a s Helped me become the man I am today. Where, if I decide to do something, if I want to do something, especially in my branch of work, if I want to do something and they tell me, hey, it's impossible, I will be like, okay, I like that. Let me see. I will try and see. I will find out. Challenge accepted. Yeah, something like that. Because I think when, when my parents told me not to go to the forest to pick some mangoes, I'm like, what is in the forest? What is there? Why shouldn't I go? What did your family think in Nigeria when you left? Are your parents still alive?、Uh, yeah, my dad passed away a long time ago, but my mom and my brothers are alive、They're、in Nigeria. I mean, coming here, my mom didn't really know I was coming in the beginning. She didn't really know I was leaving either. The last time I spoke to her, she was reminding me of what she did. You remember when you were a child and anywhere I go, you go. You can't do without me, like you're always by my side. And now you are a grown up man in Sweden doing your thing. How does that feel? I'm like, that is true. That was, I was like a little handbag. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm emotional right now, okay? It's not that I'm not, I'm not angry, I'm not sad, but it's just the beautiful memories. Because most times I don't take, I don't reflect on. Most of the things you ask me now. I've not, I've not had that time to pause and look back on what made me me. So, you, you asking me those questions brought back beautiful memories. You know what I mean? So, thank you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm leaving you as much space as you want to talk about. Yeah, and I think, you know,、um, and we will talk about it later also, but like you, you mentioned your mother and your grandmother and your daughter a lot, and, and I, I can tell you have really beautiful and strong feelings about the women in your life. And I don't want to assume your story, and so I'm happy to provide a space for as much of your own story you want to tell. But you know, if you'd rather we shift topic or if you need a moment, if you want me to pause, it's okay. I mean, I mean, it's just it's beautiful, it's beautiful that I've not even you know, when you are here, when you are, when you are an African man here, black man here in in West in Sweden, you don't want to get emotional, right? You don't want things that will they might be beautiful, beautiful 
what do you call it, memories, but you don't want to go there because you have other things to deliver right now, like tomorrow, like. It's a, it's, sometimes it's pressure, but beautiful pressure, if I should call it like that. Like the pressure of, you know, you have to get your shit right here so that you could provide for them back home. And then by so doing, you are not really pausing along the way to reflect on, wow, I remember when I was 10 years. I remember when I was 15 years. I remember when me and my friends used to, you know what I mean? So talking about the river, the mangoes and all of that just brought back beautiful memories that normally I wouldn't sit on my own and start thinking of mangoes and yeah, so I can talk about everything. My mom had a restaurant. She sold rice and beans and plantain and pounded yam and gari and fufu. She had that in the afternoon. Guess what she did in the morning? She had a, a breakfast in the same place. She had a breakfast restaurant where she sell something called cocoa. I don't know what you call it in... Like custard. It's like custard. Cook and oats, something like that. All those. Do you know yam? Yeah, okay. So she had yam. She had potatoes. She had she fried them. She had akara. Akara is made from beans. Yeah, she had akara. And then, you know, all these things. She goes up by 3 o'clock to the restaurant to start preparing for breakfast. And then she comes back home by 4.30 to 5 to wake us up so that we can come and help her. It was five of us in a room not as big as here. Whoever moves, we feel it. So when she goes, I know. And then in my head, I set an alarm that, okay, in the next one hour, 30 minutes, I have to go up. And then when she comes in, I'm already up because I don't want to be waking from my sleep. I want to be awake already. So I'm already up. And then I'll go with her. Me and my brothers will go with her to help her until 7, 8, when we have to go to school. I, I didn't really like going to school, but we had to. So those potatoes, those akara, those fried yam, some people want to take them away. We didn't use plastic. Now, we didn't know it was sustainable not to use plastic then. This was like 15 years ago. What she did was old newspapers. So that's what we served these chips in and then give it to the customer. And then, uh, memories. I didn't know mom was a entrepreneur <laughs> either. You feel me? I didn't know the word entrepreneur until I came here. So maybe that's why I cannot relate. In my head, entrepreneur are big CEOs and companies and with ties. And I didn't believe a tail on his door. The person having a restaurant is an entrepreneur. I think you're an entrepreneur. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, you might disagree, yeah. but I think you have always been an entrepreneur in the best sense. How did you get from leaving Nigeria, being in Sweden, playing football, being 17, to getting into fashion? Were you already designing clothes and, and making clothes uh, back home with your grandmother, for example? Uh, my grandmother, I mean, she, she made, what do you call it? She made material. In Swedish, we call it veva, like... Ashoke, as it's called in Nigeria. She weaved them together. I didn't remember if we really had this grandma and grandson's relationship, but I 
have a clear memory of her doing her what do you call it yeah weaving and i remember when we are at her home to visit her with my mom early in the morning by five i'll hear like sound you know feeling in the thread and so it sounds like when she's feeling in the thread she put in the thread and she has like a wood and then she started to be compacted so that was how yeah that was the moment i have but on the other on the other hand my mom's big sister works in the hospital and she's a tailor for the hospital so she makes the uniforms they wear in the hospital and stuff like that and we have a culture in Nigeria, where I came from, northern Nigeria, when we celebrate our Eid al-Kabir, Eid al-Fitri, after the Ramadan and stuff like that, we celebrate the Salah, as I call it, as we call it in northern Nigeria. We go to the market, buy material, design the outfit, take it to a tailor that put them together for us. And then after that, we go to the mosque on the day of the Salah. So we go to the mosque by 9, 9 a.m. to 10. And then after that, you go home, you drink some cola, <laughs> you drink some cola and yeah, do some other things in with the family. And then by one, two, we meet in the square, in the city square, the village square in this case. So we meet in the village square where everybody showed their new tailored design, you know, stuff like that. So I did my first design when I was 10. Before that, mom would take me to a tailor and the tailor would just make me a big kaftan that I could use till I'm 50. <laughs> They're so big and so long. And so when I was 10, I told mom, let me do something myself. Let me decide myself. And she's like, uh, okay. So she allowed me. So I went to the market with my brother, my big brothers. I chose a linen material, green. They asked me what am I gonna do, I'm like, you see. So I went to a tailor. I told a tailor what I wanted. I went to the tailor the whole process. So they made me a armless, green top and then v-neck and then the trouser was like i call it michael jackson trouser you know it's not so long yeah so like the length of michael jackson trouser and v-shaped i mean the trouser was v-shaped and normally i can't wear this outfit to the mosque because it's armless but i didn't wear i didn't wear it to the mosque i waited till when we're gonna meet in city square village square so beautiful. And my friends were like, hey, what's your, why did you do it? I'm like, yeah, if you pay me 10 crowns, I can let you do it. I can tell you a lot to do for you too. So, yeah, that was how it all started. So I know, I knew, I always knew the process of making clothes. So coming to Sweden, when I got injured playing football, I had a lot of time over and I decided to do something. <laughs> yeah, so that's something became fashion. I actually studied here in Malmo. There's a school called Taoleni. Handwerk school, a craft school. So I went there. I was supposed to study for three years, but I only went for one year because on the first year, I had started my brand, Strong Woman, that I was doing. And then, yeah, I didn't have enough time for, <laughs> for school. Um, also, the school didn't actually want me to do what I want to do. So I don't, I didn't understand the creative part of it. So they had a, well, schools are like that, right? They have a, what do you call it, scheme of work, where you do that, you do this, you do that, you do this. But me, I wanted to do what I wanted to do, which did not really work well with the school, so I decided, well. Can you tell me about how and when you started your brand and why? 
So I started Strong Woman in 2017. Remember I told you I invited my mom in yeah. 2017 to visit. She was like everything, inspiration-wise, everything, her tenacity, her hard work, and I mean, sometimes when I talk to her, she's like, yo, what's your deal? Do you know I taught you fashion? I'm like, did you? <laughs> yeah, she did. She did. She tried to make sure we look good despite her not having a lot of economic, uh, you know, you know. So, yeah, she tried her best. So when she came, we were talking about everything she went through. She wasn't officially a single mother because you know how it is in this society. The man is still there, but he's not there. She was a single mom with, like, five kids. So I think now, knowing what it is, it's like, okay, she did everything herself, so she's a single mom. Despite the society not giving her the opportunity, the chance as a woman, she still hustled her best. So we had a project in school to make a t-shirt. So on that t-shirt, I decided to print Strong Woman and give it to my mom. Because that was how I would describe her. And I posted on Instagram. And my friends liked it, and my friends' friends liked it. And everybody said, hey, can I get one? My mom is a strong woman. Can I get one? I can relate to that. My mom can relate to that. So it wasn't really that I got it figured out to start a brand. I just wanted to study fashion and from there on it became what it became today. So I met you because um, I always, I'm always kind of looking out for new, what's going on in Malmo and new places and, and especially, um, you know, because I thought a lot about sustainability and what sustainability can look like and you mentioned imagination to to me that's so important in anything we do I mean we're creative people but beyond creativity and art politically socially we need imagination and that's also the point of this podcast it doesn't have to be that way look that way like just do you first it was because you were a fashion designer so it's your store with your brand and then it's also a secondhand store and on top of it it's a tailor store and a dry cleaner it's a one-stop shop for the end of fast fashion you buy from his brand and then you get it tailored and then you get it dry cleaned and then when you move on with your life with your style with your body you can give it back and I was wondering you could have also just you know start your brand make some money uh, just selling t-shirts eventually maybe start a shop with your own brand and call it strong woman but why why taking it further i was working with islam Komun and her strong woman by the side so when corona came the contract ended it made it very hard to get a new job i've applied for over nine to ten jobs like a day nothing is happening and i think i should probably do something else i had a small atelier where I had over six to seven different sewing machines that I used only on Strong Woman. I felt I should open a studio where I will offer tailoring and repair service and have Strong Woman stuff in the same place. Now, secondhand is something I'm very passionate about. I didn't know it was sustainability or sustainable coming from Nigeria. That was what mom could afford. And I mean, those of us that used secondhand growing up were laughed at because it's, it's like, aha, secondhand. We call it Okrika in Nigeria. <laughs> and I've always liked secondhand despite being bullied for wearing Okrika, secondhand clothes. I still love it. And it became 
a very very important part of my style because i could have a look that maybe it's hard to find so when you come to my studio all of the clothes you see are clothes that i could wear but it's incredible that especially because you had to wear it you didn't have a choice and then people made fun of you you could have hated it but instead you chose to own it and love it i don't like to do things when it's easy i like to do things when it's hard maybe some trauma i don't know maybe some toxic shit i don't know but i like to do things when the odds are against me when i thought of it it felt so good when i go to bed i wake up it feels like i just had the idea so it grew stronger as the time goes on i'm like shit i have to do this so i got in touch to a a company called co-fast head they have nice apartment in sweden and they happen to have some nice stores like local in our city of Ashley home luckily enough i had the ceo of the company on my linkedin page so i'm like shit is this guy let me introduce myself and tell him i'm looking for a studio space so i did and i'm like he's not going to reply anyway because i mean not often i mail people that are important that replies me so i'm like let me just send a, me- a message to him on linkedin hey my name is what's you i'm a designer i want to open a studio where i would do this do that in hesley home i don't have a lot of money but do you have something and like one hour he replied he's like hello what's you nice idea you have i will check if we have a, a studio for you after two hours he replied me i found a studio for you uh, somebody from our office will call you and take a look at it and get back to me if you like it in three days i met the guy he showed me i got back to the ceo jacob carlson and he told me do you like it i said yes if you like it you can take this studio space i go i was shocked and the deal he gave me was like for one year normally they give you maybe if 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 they want to help you they might give you two three months he gave me one year he's like let me know if there's something else you need help with i don't know why I don't know why, but maybe he saw, maybe he just, I don't know, maybe he just wanted to help me, or he's, he's like that, I mean, I don't know, I was so shocked, I was so, that actually gave me more confidence to do it, you know, you know, when someone gives you a deal, you cannot, you don't even want to negotiate anymore, you just like, I take it, before they change their mind, <laughs> so I took it, and, what's his full name? Jacob Carlson. Jacob Carlson, we are dedicated this episode to you. Thank you for your service. <laughs> One month after I took it, I opened. Three months later, I got a mail from Zalando. Hey, we saw your new space. Would you want to sell your brand Strong Woman in our platform? Do you want to work with us? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, when when you get some opportunity, you you just say yes. I mean, you don't have to overthink it. That was how everything started actually. And then, as I said, I didn't know that my work was sustainable sustainability or sustainable. I just did what I like to do. I like second hand, I like sewing, I like the technical part of cutting the material, and I want to be involved in the whole process. So that was how my tailoring part came in. I'm like, maybe I can repair someone's suit. I can amend their suit. The laundry part came in later. So the laundry part there is a company that came to me and like We like your concept. Do you, will you want to work with us so customers can drop laundry and pick laundry and dry cleaning and, and stuff like that? So they do everything here. I'm like, of course. I remember when I wanted to open my studio. Some people told me that I shouldn't. Like, it's not gonna work. And I asked them, 
what's the worst that could happen? They're like, yeah, you might go bankrupt. I'm like, is that the worst? They're like, yes. I'm like, okay, then I know. Thank you. I'm going to do it anyway. When I came to your store, you said something that I really loved because, again, you have really good taste. And when I came to visit, I was like, I want everything. And I can't remember exactly how you put it, but you said something along the lines of buying everything is kind of against the point. If you buy everything that is secondhand, maybe you come to my studio and you buy all the stuff there, like you're buying the new stuff, then you are not making any difference. So because, I mean, secondhand can be overconsumed, and that is a problem too that, can be, that should be talked about. That takes us back to me not being an entrepreneur. I mean, a true entrepreneur wouldn't tell you not to buy it. <laughs> it's like, it's up to you. Fashion for me is not the amount of clothes you have on your, on your closet or the tag on them. It is how you wear them. So you can have minimum and wear them very good and style them differently. And when you come out, people will be like, I mean, I've seen people with style that they have a lot of clothes. And you are like, how do you, how do you do this? You know, takes us back to you know when you were a child and you had secondhand clothes and you were like, this is amazing because this is unique and this is me. Rather than being like, I want the new thing, I want more. I think that that's quite beautiful how deeply rooted it is. Yeah, it is. It is, and it's, it's personal also. I mean, the feeling of going to other secondhand store to handpick stuff. Some of the things I handpick might be broken. But I see potential in there. I'm like, okay, this is broken. I could fix it. And hopefully, maybe I actually get a discount from the secondhand store. And then I take it to my studio. And then I fix it. And then I, I sell it. And when I see people that wear these stores, I'm like, I remember the items. I'm like, that is from my studio. I handpicked it. I took care of it. I cleaned it up. I do. So when I see someone is wearing it, I know. I know what it is. When did you have the idea of putting the red label on things? Uh, when did I have the idea? I mean, it's creativity, right? You, it comes. It's genius branding. Thank you. I mean, every secondhand stores could do that. Like, you know, like this was selected and, and taken care of by so-and-so, but no one does that. You did that. As I said, this secondhand stuff, I put a lot of time in them. I put a lot of effort in finding them, in taking care of them, and then before I hang them out. So I want that person that's picking the item to know that it is well thought of. If someone say, hey, describe your work in one word, I wouldn't say sustainability, because as I said, everything there is like who I am in my daily life, like what I do. That it became sustainable or it is, uh, I'm grateful for that. But it's not what I thought of. I just wanted to do what I love. Something I also care really deeply about is how we put meanings on words and how we also lose meaning. You know, you're like, it's not a sustainability store. We didn't know plastic was not sustainable or anything. But what does sustainability mean? It's not trendy, vegan or whatever. Something that's sustainable is something you can do today. You know you can do it in 10 years. And you know you can teach your children to do it because it sustains them. It's something that's solid enough and smart enough that you can rely on it. You know more than you think. You know more than a lot of people. 
In French, par exemple, le mot pour la sustainability est durability. Je veux break open the brand of sustainability to just bring it back to everyday people and everyday life because if it's just a political movement people are going to be in or out i want people who don't think they can relate to like people who are sustainable or doing sustainability stuff you know that it's not about saving the planet it's not about saving the polar bears but it's about something that lasts in time Is there anything you like in your life that you care about and that you would like to transmit to the next generation? If you have children or not, but just when you tell me that, you know, you love clothes, you love style, you also love seeing people wearing what you put care and time into, that feeling, that is sustainability. I'm just making a, a point about the word because it's kind of like, entrepreneur entrepreneur now we think jeff bezos or whoever entrepreneur is just someone who has an idea and who tries to make it happen that's all and then you're trying to see what you can do with it that is an entrepreneur so you don't need to have i don't know a business degree or like a billion dollars venture capital investment to be an entrepreneur you know you you're 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 so driven and you have so many ideas and you're so dedicated and you're so daring actually it takes me to my closing questions uh, i have two closing questions what are your ambitions so now you have the brand you have the two stores do you know what you would like to do I know exactly what I want to do. I know exactly how I should do it. But coming from a society where I came from, a society that have failed my father, failed my mother, failed my family, failed my relation, failed my great-grandfather, failed my generations, dreaming and planning becomes like impossible. So you get you you are aware of being careful of of your future plans like for example if i wanted to be a designer in nigeria it would have almost been impossible for me coming from where i come from my background no contact no money to bribe anybody is impossible dream becomes more of a hope you feel me because if you dream and failed you might be down right but when you hope is longer than a dream it's like it might never happen and you will never know because you hope but you always work towards it So that is the that is the way I work. I know what I want to do. I know how to do it. But I'm not going to dream about it. I'm just going to put in the work and hopefully hopefully I'll get there. <laughs> hopefully I'll get there. I really hope so too. Um and my last question. If there was one thing that you wish people asked you more often, what would you be, what would it be? How are you? Yeah, how are you? I mean most most of the times people ask me how is business instead of hey how are you there is me and then if now i'm doing business that comes later but there is me first thank you so much thank you. you thank you for having me i hope you've enjoyed this conversation and found it as inspiring as I did. This podcast is created, produced and edited by myself, 
Lucy Kamara. You can find me on Instagram at Lucy Out There, L-U-C-I-E-O-U-T-T-H-E-R-E. Please slide into my DMs and let me know what you thought about this episode. Let me know if you have any ideas, if it uh, inspired any feelings and please don't hesitate to share it with your friends and with your family and especially people around you who feel like they don't relate to sustainability and who do not know how it can apply to their lives. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next time. What's your favorite movie? I like John Wick. One, two, three, four. It's my mom's favorite movie, Strange Enough. So when she came to Sweden, she was like, well, see, there's this movie I watched in Nigeria. This guy, they killed his dog and he got angry and he was shooting everybody. I'm like, John Wick, I shot her. She's like, yes. So when John Wick 3 came out, I called her. I'm like, mom, I'm going to send you some tickets so you can go to cinema and watch it. She was very, very, she's like, yeah. She's like, very, very happy.